It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. And on today's show, we're going to visit with two extraordinary people in the city of Los Angeles who are completely committed to dealing with difficult dogs and helping people deal with those dogs. If you think about difficult dogs, your number one breed you would choose is probably... American Pit Bull Terrier. This is probably the most fear and legislated against dog in the world today. The breed exudes power with a broad slab-like head immensely strong jaws, and a thickly muscled neck and body. It's a breed that's been outlawed. It's been restricted in cities across the state and the country because of fear of attacks on humans and on other dogs. It's not the first time a breed has been maligned, and it won't be the last. The pit bull is the popular dog of the day. You know what I mean? And it's always been that case, and people, people lose sight of that. Before the Pitbull was the popular dog, we had the Rottweiler as a popular dog, we had the German Shepherd as a popular dog, we had the Doberman Pinscher as a popular dog. And all of them went through the same similar things through the shelters. They were overbred, they were overpopulated in the shelters, they were the negative dogs. It, it's the majority of people that don't know what they're doing getting a dog that is popular. And that is the problem. It's not the Pitbull, it's not the Shepherd, it's, not, it's people. This is Basilos Thomas. He's an assistant dog trainer with a nonprofit called Puppy Imprinters in South Central Los Angeles. Every Sunday, like church, a group of dedicated dog owners, most of them pit bull owners, gather at St. Andrew's Park with Basilos and with Puppy Imprinter founder Larry Hill. We will come back to St. Andrew's Park in the second half of our show. But first... Here's the main thing that I hope you take away from this episode of Here in the City. Dogs are a man's or a woman's best friend. They teach us. We teach them. For better or for worse, dogs are our creation. Historically, they owe their existence to humans. And as such, they are our responsibility. And they look to us for guidance. So you think about that, and you think about pit bulls. Well, that was the first breed that um, was so prevalent on Skid Row, and it, it's just a breed that needs the help the most. 
There's a lot of rescue groups that won't take them, that maybe they want to take them, they don't know how to work with them. So I kind of fell into this. I didn't even know what a pit bull was 17 years ago. And now, of course, you know, I'm no expert by any means, but I have a lot of hours on my log working with them um, and hundreds of them. And I own them now. And, and I, you know, I don't even want to say it's my favorite breed of dog because it really isn't. I just I love animals. But right now, if there was like a poodle problem, I guess I'd be into poodles. But we're just kind of serving whatever needs us the most. And we're good at this. This is Lori Weiss. Lori started her career in childhood development and in the past 17 years she's placed thousands of pit bulls in permanent homes in Los Angeles. She runs a nonprofit called the Downtown Dog Rescue out of the back of a huge red brick warehouse along the Alameda Corridor. Where, where are we right now? We're in the city of Vernon, in what's called Southeast Los Angeles. What is the Downtown Dog Rescue, and why did you start it? Well, I started it um, just kind of, I think, like a lot of nonprofits get started. You look around, and you wonder who is helping. You know, who who is... There were packs of dogs downtown. It was radically different. Downtown was... Like we were across from a rag factory. Now it's a fancy restaurant and lofts and everything. But there were so many homeless people that had dogs. And I thought there has to be some humane society or somebody that takes care of them. And nobody really did. So it just started with one man and one dog. And it just grew into thousands and thousands of dogs and people. And now we we continue working with homeless dog owners. But we work primarily with people that... Um, they're working poor. They're uh, a lot of times undocumented, you know, people that are new to our country. They have dogs and they can't qualify for programs. So we kind of take everybody if we just accept the fact that if you say you need the services, we take your word for it. We're really kind of an easy organization to work with. And the services that you offer are? Free spay and neuter. That's, that's always required for our program, uh, microchipping, dog licensing, um, basic wellness care, mange, ear infections, all that kind of stuff, service dog training for people that are handicapped or have some kind of you know, need for a service. Uh, we do canine good citizenship testing so people can keep their dogs in their home. We do uh, a dog training class on Sundays that's free. Uh, we repair gates and fences and whatever it takes for somebody to keep their dog. We work very closely with LA Animal Services and trying to help them keep more dogs out of the shelter. When you say you're trying to keep as many dogs out of shelters as possible, when is it that a dog ends up going to a shelter Um, you know, I didn't even think that there'd be this crucial moment. I thought people just, you know, either they leave their dog, they throw their dog out. I didn't, I, it had never occurred to me that there is a moment of decision in that process. Yeah. uh, There's a big decision. A lot of, some people can't, they just can't watch the dog suffer anymore. And they really, if they had the means to keep their dog, they would. Um, the dog's losing all its hair. There's a lot of, again, just misconceptions about what some of the illnesses are no one's ever taken the time to talk to the dog owner and say hey this is just mange and it's not going to be contagious to your children we're that group that'll do that 
So when the shelter feels like it's a family or a person that really loves their dog and they really don't want to leave the dog at the shelter, they'll call us and we'll kind of intervene and work with that person and, and take the dog into our program. Um, we also, people will see their dogs fight, you know, like accidentally, not like they're fighting their dogs, but like somebody drops some food on the floor, they just assume because the dogs fought once, now they're going to attack all the kids in the house, and now they have to get rid of the dogs. We also will slow it down, just breathe, relax. Let's, let's talk about what happened here. So people um, in every economic level, and you can have a PhD and be freaked out by something and want to get rid of your dog. So we're not just talking about you know underserved communities. We're talking about every level we work with. You have seen many shelters across the city of Los Angeles for many years. Um, what would your estimation be in the number of pit bulls that are in these shelters in terms of percentage? I'm not going to ask you for like a, you know, a thousand or 10,000, but percentage. percentage. Yeah. I would say, and I actually know this number. If you take all the lab mixes, boxer mixes, Staffordshire terriers, pit bull terriers, it's probably 50%. Which is amazing. I mean, it's a, a large number. And the, my question is, why? What is it about this moment or these dogs that would be, would cause them to be, you know, probably the most rejected of dogs in our society? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, uh, I, you know, this is something that the question, it, it, you know, obviously we don't have the answer to that exactly, but there's factors that I think just doing this for so long is number one, the female dog can have two litters of puppies a year and they tend to have large litters. So 12 to 13 puppies, whereas a chihuahua or a poodle or whoever, you know, the little dog is going to have maybe two to four, maybe six at the most. So we've got these large litters. The other thing is the dog's a big dog. So Typically, people that have large dogs that are not going to take care of them, leave them outside. So if you don't get the dog spayed, it's, it's inevitable she's going to have puppies. So now we have a different class of dogs. Small dogs come in the house, and they're not going to mate or whatever. Um, I think that just what the personality and the, the, the dog is so loyal and so lovable in most cases and also is so passionate that sometimes, not always, bad people that really love that about a dog, that they can manipulate the dog, uh, will want that dog. And those are the same people that do a lot of bad things, and I think it's a very, very small percentage. But the very small percentage of people that have pit bulls are doing the major percentage of the damage. How many dogs do you think your organization saves a year, Lori? We, we count the dogs that we actually take in our rescue, and then we also count the dogs that we've rehomed. So it's about 250 a year, which, you know, it's a little drop in the bucket compared to how many dogs need to be rescued. So. But L.A. will now be a no-kill shelter city, according to legislation that's passed. No. I, I, I say no. I mean, there's already the West L.A. shelter. I mean, no-kill is, by definition, is 85% of the animals coming into the shelter leave alive. So that means noses in, noses out, okay? So 85%. West L.A. shelter's already there. That shelter's already there. Um, North Central, 
which is near Highland Park, where you have an area where there was a lot of gang activity still, Boyle Heights, Lincoln Heights. That's not anywhere near no-kill. It's medium-kill. Um, South L.A. is, I don't want to say the worst shelter, but it has the high, one of the highest intakes and one of the highest euthanasia rates. Overall, the city of L.A. does amazingly well compared to the county of Los Angeles. That's where the numbers are staggering. I mean, yeah. really, really bad. I mean, I've talked to some friends who have, they go out to the, the edges, DeVore oh, and these edges of Los kill. Angeles that's County. That's considered high kill. Yeah, it makes me crazy when I hear people say, oh, South L.A. is a high kill shelter. High kill means 98%, I believe. It's in the 90s. It means the dog just walks in the lobby and just walks out the back door is a dead animal or doesn't walk out the back door, rather. City of L.A. has spent a lot of money. We have four mobile clinics. Uh, we have a lot of free spay and neuter, but I just think it's going to be years before we can move to no-kill. And the role that you and the downtown dog rescue plays in this city of Los Angeles, how would you describe that? Uh, boy, that's a, that's a tough question. I guess we are kind of the connection a lot of times to the community. Uh, we've made a lot of friends uh, in places that I think others, maybe they're too big or they're too rushed to really make the connection with people that are in between houses. Maybe they're living in their car um, or maybe they're still in a gang. You know, we're, we're taking you as you are today. And if you tell me you want to do something good for your dog, I'm not going to really question you, you know, if you're still a crack addict or you're still an alcoholic or you're still living on the sidewalk. It really doesn't matter. Your heart's in the right place, you know, and I'm going to take you as you are today and then we'll see where it goes. I live in a place where I see a lot of homeless men, mm-hmm. not women, men, yeah. with their dogs. Yep. And I yeah. feel often that I've learned as much from watching these men interact with their dogs as I may ever learn in a class mm-hmm. training with my dog. Absolutely. I mean, I think that I have the same situation because it's mostly men on skid row, some women with dogs, but mostly men. So that was my first experience too. And just watching them pick up stray dogs and just putting their stray, their dog, their road dog with another stray. And I was just like, wow, they're fearless, you know, but I would see how it would work out and how they did it. And that's how I started, you know, experimenting. And it wasn't until, you know, then Caesar Milan made this famous, but at the time, you know, I had six, seven, eight dogs in a parking lot all off-leash, and these were all ex-guard dogs and dogs that would fight other dogs and just a lot of craziness. But you see how easy they can relate to the dog. There's not a lot of petting. There's not a lot of affection. The dog is working. The dog has a job, and that's, that's the life for a lot of my dogs too. So the, the last thing I wanted to ask is if you look in the – you know, categories of dog breeds and different dog books, um, you invariably come across the description of the pit bull as an aggressive, fearless, tenacious dog. Um, And I wanted to ask you, like, what's your view of that, you know, knowing them, not being an expert, but knowing them for so long? Yes, I'm certainly, I'm not a dog trainer, I'm not an expert, but 
one of the reasons I love working with them is for me, unless it's a dog that's been abused a lot or has some kind of special situation that I'm not aware of, they are overwhelmingly easy to work with. I mean, they're stubborn, they're strong, they're all of these things, but in terms of like grabbing one and pulling the collar or doing something crazy all of a sudden that you need to do with the dog, they're, they're extremely easy to work with in terms of handling them and working with lots of them. Um, there is the dog aggression component. A lot of the dogs uh, will go quick to fight, but that's because they're under-socialized. Um, in terms of like what they were bred to do and what they were created to do, I always say, because we've rescued some German Shepherds, and I'm happy to get the German Shepherds over to the German Shepherd Rescue, because they actually, th that's where I've been bitten. Um, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, um, and the little guys. The Poodles and the Chihuahuas have bitten me the most. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego. And 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the City dot org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook. If you like. And visit us at our website, hereinthecity.org. And follow us on Twitter. How would you describe Larry Hill in the, in the world of dogs in Los Angeles? Yeah, well, Larry is, he's been involved in this for decades. And he's just, uh, you know, a champion of helping people and helping the community and not giving up. You know, you can bring him a dog, and I've seen super, super dog aggressive, all different breeds at his class. He's, he's ready. If you're ready, and that's, that's how I, I would like to have somebody talk about me. If you're committed, I'm committed, I'm going to stay with it. Will you stay with it? You know, are you going to be here next week with your dog? Because we will. We'll help you. So I've, I've known Larry for, he was one of my first friends that I made in rescue, and um, he was working for animal control at the time, and uh, he's just a very, very good friend of mine. Very good friend. All right, take him on off. Very good. I, I, you just have to remember, you got to stay in close proximity. When you're giving that stay command, stay. When I'm telling the dog and I'm leaving him, it's all in this hand, stay. But, hey, what's happening? Spending time with Larry Hill oh, okay. is a okay. little bit like right. spending right. time with someone you might you know, imagine sure to be the Mohandas Gandhi of a canine-centered right. nation. From the first word, you enter into a complex, right. ongoing stream of conversation from the angle that he assesses you ought to enter from about dogs. Mr. Hill is in constant conversation with the people around him, with himself, and with the dogs, and he is in constant motion. His pure passion, dogs, his audience, humans. I've been doing this since I was 13 years old, and uh, I've worked with you know several, you know, uh, infamous people. Okay, uh, 
working with the dogs, being around the dogs, working with the equipment and, and teaching the dog, you know, teaching people canine behavior, teaching people how to read their animals, teaching people how to be aware of what's going on, having some idea and direction as to what they want to do with the animal are all parts of uh, helping the dog owner and the animal become well-rounded in, in our society. So you mentioned that your first experience training dogs was when you were 12 or 13. Yeah, and, 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 and ironically, it was an inadvertent experience. Uh, we had a junior high school, Charles Drew Junior High School, and all the kids in that neighborhood, you know, uh, basically around the school were cul-de-sacs. So what we would all do is we'd all get together on the schoolyard. It had a huge gym field, right? And we'd be out there, you know, we'd be flying kites, playing football, basketball, baseball, the normal things the kids, you know, 12, 13 years old. Well, we had this one friend, Shelby Sanders, and he owned some dogs. And what he used to do was he could come onto the gym field because he only lived a couple of doors from where the gate was to come onto the field. And he'd bring his dogs out. And what we would do is, uh, as kids, we'd start a game of chase. Crazy, you know, but we would run from backstop to backstop and we'd let the dogs chase us and we'd jump up on the backstop. So this was my first experience at uh, learning how to become a decoy, you know, which is the term that they use for an agitator, a guy who works in the program who puts, provides the stimulus for the dogs to do the work. So that was my first experience of doing that. And like I said, we were 12, 13 years old. And it just evolved from there. It's uh, a natural thing. Were those dogs pit bulls? A lot of them were pit bulls, German Shepherds, Rottweilers, Dobermans. Uh, there were a, a myriad of, of dogs in our neighborhood. It wasn't just predominantly the pit bulls. As a matter of fact, uh, Selby Sanders is the uh, gentleman who introduced us to the area and introduced pit bulls to us, okay, because he was one of the first guys back in the 60s. Okay, to have pit bulls that I was aware of, and you know, it just be like I say, it just it just all just started to expand from there. Uh, back then, at, at an early age, and uh, with some of the other guys that I had met and, and was hanging out with, uh, we had gotten into fighting the dogs. Okay, which was the wrong thing to do, but you know, in a neighborhood where you're not provided with a lot of stimulus, or you're not provided with a lot of uh, 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 things outside to keep yourself uh, active. Okay. Uh, Later on, as we got older, they introduced the Teen Post and other organizations into the area, which kind of helped curve the activity. But uh, at that age, you know, that was the thing that everybody was into. When was the moment that you, you know, after the fighting and everything that, you, you know, now you realize it was misguided. But when did you realize yourself that, oh, this isn't what, what we should be doing with these dogs? To be honest with you, um, I was in Vietnam. Okay, I joined the military when I was 17, 16, 17 years old. Um, when I got to Vietnam, well, matter of fact, it started in Okinawa. When I got to Okinawa, I met some guys that were there that were the dog handlers, okay? Back then, they had the big German shepherds, you know, the king shepherds and big dogs that they were working with, and they were using them as tunnel dogs, okay, in front of the soldiers. And the guys that handled the dogs were called tunnel rats because they basically were small frame individuals, okay? Behind yeah, the dogs. behind the dog through these tunnels. And I met some of them. And then they started showing me different things about the dogs, different drives, how the dogs could respond to different stimulus. And then I started learning different ways of being able to approach the dog and seeing the dog in a different fashion. So what about people's perception that these particular dogs are... You turn to the left. 
Okay, go ahead. Are aggressive. To, they are. To, are they? They are. The thing is, is that you have to curve that. It's a natural, it's a natural drive in the dog. Okay, it's a natural protective mechanism. But they're so powerful. Okay, that people misinterpret it. The reason that we call our business Puppy Imprinter, or our club Puppy Imprinters, okay, is because of what we imprint into the dog, okay? No dog, no matter how old, left turn, out of a litter of 12 puppies, none of them are going to be the same. So no dog on the planet is the same, none. They may have similar characteristics, but they're not the same. So what we have to do, you turn to the right. Is cater a program, okay, at an early enough stage so that we can teach the dog to have the mannerisms that we want them to have, and then we make them submissive to the other mannerisms. It's just, it's, it's all it is is training. Stay. You stay with her. Stay with her. Stay with her. Stay with her. Stand next to her, right in the front. Now, that's it. Now, call her up. Pat your side. Now touch her. Okay. Drop your lead. Tell her to stay. Make sure she's looking at you. Turn to the right and walk. So can you tell me, um, Mr. Hill, what was the work that you did with uh, animal welfare, animal services? Uh, I worked for the city of Los Angeles for the Department of Animal Services as a clerk typist. Uh, I worked with them for... Well, I was with the city for 19 years and roughly about 9, 10 months. I was with Animal Services about 10 years of that, uh, 19 years. I just recently retired from uh, Animal Services uh, the first part of November. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. The Animal Services, you know, I mean, you know, it's a good department. You know, it's a good department to work for, but they are, they are so far behind the times is what really needs to be done with these animals. They really don't have a clue. You know, uh, you have people that are in the program that are very knowledgeable about animals and what to do with animals, and they don't utilize them for their expertise or for their knowledge. You know, uh, they bring people into the department with very little knowledge of what's going on in the community, what's going on in our area, and they expect for them to be able to lead us efficiently. It's not happening. So you are a clerk typist, but you are an expert in canine behavior and training. Yes, I am. After having worked for the city and animal services and had a good career and retired, why would you want to continue to do your work? Well, well, just like uh, this is something that I was doing before I came to the city, and this is what I love to do. This is what I get the most relaxation and the most fun out of, uh, watching someone or uh, having someone come to me with a limited amount of knowledge and then within a matter of months, okay, uh, being able to have them go out and teach a class. You know, I've got students that have been with me, like Rod. Rod's been with me now for uh, almost three years. Okay, and during that time, he's gained enough knowledge to where, you know, he can run the class, you know, he can teach. They know how to read the dogs, they know how to read the exercises, you know, and how to teach the handlers, you know, how to work the dog. So I'm, I'm very confident in what I'm doing. I went to the city because I needed employment. Uh, I went to dogs because this is what I love to do. Each okay. one teach one. Each one teach one, okay. And that's it for here in the city today. Special thanks to Jesse Lerner, Luis Sierra Campos, Tandisizwe Shimurenga, Daniela Gerson, Sabiha Khan, Albert Chacon, Rachel Salmon, 
Will Coley, Holly Harper, Karen Ness, and to you, our listeners. We will be back next week with more radio realities from the urban landscape. Until then, you can find us on the web at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. To yapping on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace.